بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين رب شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وأحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما the last couple of weeks we were talking about the battle of Uhud and the aftermath of the battle of Uhud and the fact that because the Muslims suffered so much and they had heavy casualties during the battle of Uhud their morale was down and other tribes of the Arabs they saw this as an opportunity they thought that this is our chance if we ever want to strike Medina if we ever want to attack the Muslims this is our opportunity to do it while they're down while they're in a situation where they have just suffered from some serious casualties and they have suffered from heavy losses this is our chance to actually attack Medina so there were many tribes that were thinking in this way the first tribe that intended to attack Medina after the battle of Uhud was the tribe of Banu Asad and they thought that this would be an easy opportunity for them to attack Medina and to attack the Muslims just after Uhud and this was just about a month after the battle of Uhud took place that Banu Asad started to prepare themselves to attack Medina now the Prophet وسلم, he had his intelligence officers always on the lookout for anyone who was making any types of plans to attack the Muslims or to hurt the Muslims so the Prophet وسلم, received intelligence from his sources that Banu Asad is planning an attack on Al-Madinah and Banu Asad was under the command of their leader Tulayha ibn Khuwaylid al-Asadi. Tulayha ibn Khuwaylid al-Asadi. And Tulayha, he has a very interesting story. Tulayha at this time, he was a disbeliever. He was not a Muslim at this time. And he was planning actually to attack Medina. But later on, some years later, Tulayha, he became a Muslim. And that was during the lifetime of the Prophet ﷺ, Tulayha accepted Islam. But then after the death of the Prophet ﷺ, Tulayha, he apostatized from Islam. And he actually claimed prophethood for himself. So after the death of the Prophet ﷺ, Tulayha claimed that he was a prophet. And Abu Bakr he actually prepared an army to fight those people who apostated from Islam after the death of the Prophet ﷺ, under the command of Khalid ibn al-Walid So Tulayha, he actually fought with the apostates against the army of Khalid ibn al-Walid and this is shortly after the passing away of the Prophet ﷺ. and of course Khalid ibn al-Walid uh, defeated the armies of the Murtaddin he defeated the armies of the apostates and Tulayha was defeated as well. Then Tulayha, after that, he became a Muslim again. Subhanallah, he became a Muslim again. And he actually fought alongside with the Muslims in some, some of the battles against the Kuffar after that, including Al-Qadisiyah and some other battles. And he died as a Muslim, alhamdulillah. So a very interesting story. And it basically starts from his preparation of this army to fight the Muslims in Medina shortly after the battle of Uhud. So this was before he accepted Islam. So Tulayha ibn Khuwaylid al-Asadi, uh, 
and his army, they were preparing to attack Al-Madina. And the Prophet ﷺ, he received intelligence regarding this. So the Prophet ﷺ wanted to send an army to attack Banu Asad before Banu Asad could come and attack them. To preemptively strike them before they had a chance to strike the Muslims. So the Prophet ﷺ, he set up an army under the command of Abu Salama radiallahu anhu, one of the great companions of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, Abu Salama. And Abu Salama was from the very, very early converts to Islam in Mecca. He was one of the first people who accepted the message of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam in Mecca. And he was a very beloved companion to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And he fought in the battle of Badr and he also fought in the battle of Uhud and he actually had an injury he was wounded in the battle of Uhud and after the battle of Uhud he tried to treat that wound and it seemed superficially that the wound was treated but in actuality the wound would later on cause his death so about a month after the battle of, of Uhud when the Prophet ﷺ wanted to send an expedition to preemptively strike Banu Asad, he put Abu Salama in charge of this expedition. And Abu Salama and his army of 150 people, they marched towards Banu Asad, who were still preparing themselves to attack Medina. So when Abu Salama and his army surprisingly attacked Banu Asad, Banu Asad was caught off guard. They weren't expecting that the Muslims would come and attack them before they had a chance to move forward and attack Medina. They were thinking that they were going to be the first ones to strike. So when Abu Salama and his army attacked them, they were caught completely off guard and they fled. They just ran away in all directions and they left everything there. They left their camels and their sheep and everything. So the Muslims were able to collect all of those spoils and they returned back to Medina. So they neutralized the threat of Banu Asad. After Abu Salama and his army came back to Medina, the Muslim mood became better. Their spirits were improved after that. Of course, they were still saddened because of what happened at Uhud, but this, alhamdulillah, it made them feel better. Also, after the battle of Uhud, there was another tribe called Hudayl. And that is a tribe that is related to the Quraysh. So in addition to Banu Asad, Hudayl was another tribe that had this idea that they could attack Medina and they could attack the Muslims while they were in this state of weakness after the battle of Uhud. So the tribe of Hudayl, under the leadership of Sufyan ibn Khalid al-Hudali, they prepared to attack Medina. And Sufyan ibn Khalid al-Hudali, he gathered a huge army with the intention of going to Medina and attacking the Muslims. So to neutralize this threat, the Prophet sent a sariya, he sent an expedition that composed of only one man, of only one man. And his name was Abdullah ibn Unais. And he was a very brave courageous companion of the Prophet Sallallahu Abdullah ibn Unais. So now think about it. 
the army of Sufyan ibn Khalid al-Huzali, they have a huge number of people. And the Prophet sends just one man, Abdullah ibn Unais radiallahu And he sent Abdullah ibn Unais with the instructions to perform a targeted assassination of Sufyan ibn Khalid. Go and assassinate Sufyan ibn Khalid al-Hudhali and this will neutralize the threat of the tribe of Hudayb. So the Prophet sent Abdullah ibn Unais alone on this mission. Abdullah ibn Unais, he accepted this command of the Prophet and he went towards the camp of Hudayl and he was able to infiltrate them and he was actually able to reach the leader, Sufyan ibn Khalid al-Hudhali and he assassinated Sufyan ibn Khalid al-Hudhali. And then he returned back to Medina and he gave the Prophet ﷺ the news. And the Prophet ﷺ was very happy that his instruction had been carried out. And that was the end of the threat from Hudayl. That neutralized the threat from Hudayl. Also, after the battle of Uhud, Amr ibn al-As, at that time he was not a Muslim yet. He was still a disbeliever in Mecca. He went to Al-Habasha to do some business. He went to Abyssinia to do business. And when Amr ibn al-As went to Abyssinia to do business, there were still a number of Muslims who were there in Abyssinia who had made the Hijrah to have Abyssinia before. And they were still there. And the Najashi who was the leader of Habasha, the leader of Abyssinia, he was actually a Muslim as well. He had accepted Islam, but he had kept it secret. He had kept it secret, but he was a Muslim as well, alhamdulillah. So at this time, Amr ibn al-As, who at that time was not a Muslim yet, he went to Habasha, he went to Abyssinia to do some business, to do some trade. And along with him, he took some skins of some animals because he knew that the Najashi, the leader of Habasha, he was very fond of skins. He liked these animal skins. So he took some animal skins with him to present as a gift to the Najashi. Now around this same time period, the Prophet ﷺ had also sent someone to Habasha. The Prophet ﷺ sent his companion Amr ibn Umayya al-Dhamri He sent him to Habasha in order to propose on his behalf, to propose on behalf of the Prophet ﷺ to Umm Habibah bint Abi Sufyan. Umm Habibah, the daughter of Abu Sufyan. And remember, who is Abu Sufyan? At this time, Abu Sufyan is the leader of Mecca and he is the biggest enemy of Islam at that time. But his daughter, Umm Habibah, she was a Muslim and she had actually left Mecca and made hijrah to Abyssinia along with her husband, Ubaidullah ibn Jahsh. Now, Ubaidullah ibn Jahsh, who was the husband of Umm Habibah, it is said by some historians that he died and left her as a widow in Abyssinia. And it is said by some historians that he actually left Islam and he became a Christian. And Allahu Alam, Allah knows best what is the correct uh, opinion regarding this. But in either case, Umm Habibah was left without a husband. She was left without a husband. Now, Umm Habibah, she is the daughter of the chief of Mecca. She is the daughter of Abu Sufyan. But she is there in Abyssinia 
and she is going through a difficult time. So the Prophet ﷺ wanted to honor her. So he sent Amr ibn Umayyah al-Dhamri to Abyssinia to propose to her on behalf of the Prophet ﷺ. To give her this proposal that Muhammad Rasulullah wants to marry you. So Amr ibn Umayyah, he reached this proposal to Umm Habiba and she was very happy and she accepted the proposal. And as we mentioned, that was the same time that Amr ibn al-As was in Abyssinia for his business. So he saw Amr ibn Umayyah al-Dhamri there in Abyssinia as well. And he thought, this is an opportunity I can take Amr ibn Umayyah back to Mecca with me as a prisoner. And the Quraysh, they will be very pleased with this. So he went to the Najashi and he presented him with those skins that he had gotten as a gift. And the Najashi was happy to receive these gifts. And then Amr ibn al-As, he said, as a reward for me giving you these skins, I request that can you send Amr ibn Umayyah al-Dhamri back with me so I can take him back to Mecca. And then the Najashi, and remember the Najashi was a Muslim. The Najashi got very angry that Amr ibn al-As could actually even suggest such a thing. He said, do you think that I will send the messenger of the messenger of Allah with you? Do you think I will surrender the one who was sent by Muhammad? And do you know who Muhammad is? Muhammad is the one who receives revelation just like Musa received revelation. And you think that the one he sent, I will surrender him to you? And then Amr ibn al-As, he was surprised at the Najashi speaking like this. He didn't expect this type of a reaction. And he said to the Najashi, he said, Muhammad and Musa have the same type of position with you? You consider Muhammad to be a prophet as you consider Musa to be a prophet? And the Najashi said, yes. And then the Najashi started to explain revelation and explain the religion to Amr ibn al-As. And the Najashi, other than being the leader of Habasha, being the ruler of Abyssinia, he was also a very knowledgeable person. He was a scholar of Christianity. So he started to teach Amr ibn al-As about what is wahi, what is revelation, who are the prophets. And at that time, Islam started to enter the heart of Amr ibn al-As. And later on, he did accept Islam and he became a good Muslim. So the Najashi actually gave da'wah to Amr ibn al-As while he was there in Habasha. So Umm Habiba accepted the proposal of the Prophet ﷺ. One of her family members, who was also there, Khalid ibn Sa'id, he acted as her representative. He acted as her wakil. And as we mentioned, the representative for the Prophet ﷺ was Amr ibn Umayyah. And who conducted the nikah? The Najashi himself. The Najashi himself, he did the nikah for the Prophet ﷺ and Umm Habiba. And the, and the Najashi, he actually made the walima for them as well. He made the wedding feast for this marriage as well. So you see the Najashi, mashallah, he was an awesome person. Also, after the battle of Uhud, was the marriage of the Prophet ﷺ to 
Um Salama. As we mentioned, Abu Salama, he sustained a wound in the battle of Uhud. And eventually after some months, he died with that wound. He died as a martyr with that wound that he sustained on the day of Uhud. So Um Salama, she loved her husband, she loved Abu Salama very much. And after Abu Salama died, she made the dua that she learned from the Prophet The dua that you say at times of tragedy, at times of calamities. And she learned this dua from the Prophet previously. Whenever a Muslim is struck with a calamity or a tragedy, he should say, Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'oon. Allahumma ajurni fi musibati wa akhlif li khayran minha. And the Prophet says that anyone who makes this dua after being afflicted with a calamity, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give him a reward for his patience during that calamity and he will replace it and give him something better. Allahumma ajurni fi musibati wa akhlif li khayran minha. So when Umm Salama made this dua and she said it, remembering the words of the Prophet that if someone says this dua, then Allah will give that person a reward for their patience during that calamity. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will also give you something better than what you lost. And who had she just lost? She just lost her husband, Abu Salama. So she said she made this dua, but she was thinking to herself when she made this dua, who is better than Abu Salama? Allah says, or the Prophet said that Allah will replace your loss with something better than it if you make this dua. But how can... I get someone better than Abu Salama. She was thinking to herself. So she made this dua. And then after some time, after her idda was over, she received a proposal from who? From the Prophet Muhammad himself. And the Prophet of course, is better than Abu Salama. So she accepted this proposal and they were married. And Umm Salama became Ummul Mu'mineen. She became our mother, the mother of the believers anha. So this is a beautiful story of Umm Salama and her marriage to the Prophet Also after the battle of Uhud was the marriage of the Prophet to Ummul Mu'mineen Zainab bint Jahsh Now before Zainab was married to the Prophet she was married to Zayd ibn al-Haritha and Zayd ibn al-Haritha was a person who was extremely beloved to the Prophet ﷺ since he was young, since he was a child in Mecca. And actually the Prophet ﷺ adopted him as a son. The Prophet ﷺ adopted Zayd ibn al-Haritha as his own son. So he was known as Zayd ibn Muhammad. He was known as Zayd ibn Muhammad. Later on, the command from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala came making adoption haram. But it's important that we explain what it means when we say that adoption is haram. When we say that adoption is haram, it means it is haram to take a child and give that child your name, to take away the name of that child's father and replace it with your own name. This is haram. But as for taking in a child and raising that child and taking care of that child, this is something that is very praiseworthy and it is something that will 
gain you a great reward from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that a person who takes care of a yatim, a person who takes care of an orphan will be with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam like these two fingers. So you take in a child and you take care of that child and you provide for that child and you raise that child in a good way in your home and you treat that child as one of your own children by taking care of him in a good way, then inshallah you'll get a great reward from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for doing that. But what we mean when we say adoption is haram, it means that the child must keep his own lineage. He will still be ascribed to his real father. You cannot take his father's name away from him and give him your name. This is something that is impermissible. So this ruling came from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that this is haram. So then from that point on, Zayd ibn al-Haritha was not known as Zayd ibn Muhammad anymore. Rather, it was reverted back to Zayd ibn al-Haritha. So the Prophet loved Zayd very much. So he arranged for Zayd to marry the cousin of the Prophet Zainab bint Jahsh. So she was from the, from the Quraysh. And she was actually a cousin of the Prophet So the Prophet set up this marriage between Zayd and Zainab. But the marriage didn't work out. These two were not compatible with each other. And after they got married, they realized that they were not compatible. Now the Prophet he didn't want the marriage to break up. So he tried to counsel them. He tried to say to Zayd, Ya Zayd, just be patient. You know, stay in this marriage. Don't divorce her. He didn't want them to get divorced because he had this fear that if Zayd divorces her, that Allah will command him himself. Allah will command the Prophet ﷺ to marry Zainab. And he was afraid what the people will say if he marries Zainab after Zayd was married to her. Because even though Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala obliterated the idea of adoption, the Kuffar of the Arabs, they still considered Zayd to be the son of Muhammad. So the Prophet ﷺ was worried if Zayd divorces Zainab and then the Prophet ﷺ marries Zainab, the Kuffar will say, Look, Muhammad married the wife of his son. And he didn't want this talk to start. So that's why he wanted the marriage to last and he wanted the marriage to succeed and he didn't want Zayd to divorce Zainab. But eventually it didn't work out and Zayd did end up divorcing Zainab and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did command the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa to marry her. Rather Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself performed their marriage. So the marriage of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa and Zainab bint Jahsh, it was not like a regular marriage where you have a wali and you have your witnesses and you have the aqt, you have the contract done. Their marriage was not like that. Rather, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did their marriage. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَلَمَّا قَضَى زَيْدٌ مِّنْهَا وَطَرًا زَوَّجْنَاكَهَا زَوَّجْنَاكَهَا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, We married you to her. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala performed the marriage of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and Zainab himself. And this is in the Quran. So there was no need for the regular aqt and the witnesses and any of that. So the Prophet ﷺ straight went to her and she was his wife. So these are some of the events that took place after the Battle of Uhud. 
And inshallah, next week we will speak about a tragic incident that happened. And that is the tragedy of Bi'r Ma'una. Inshallah, we'll speak about that next week. Bi'idhnillah. Wallahu a'lam. Sallallahu wa sallam. Wa baraka ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.